Welcome to the Butts and Seats podcast, episode number 27. Woo! We're only a few more away from that shot. Oh, yeah. Which I, Three more episodes, right? We're doing it in the 10s. Yeah. So that'll be Spring, not Spring Stampede, that'll be Slamboree. And that counts. I'll take it. Which I just realized we'll have to have the Space Jam music. <laughs> Come on and slam. And welcome but, to Slamboree. But the old Space Jam music, not the new one. Well, we haven't watched the new one yet. I've oh. watched the new one. Oh, I forgot you watched the new one. There's some new one in two sittings because I just got tired and I went, uh, I don't like, have the will for this. Part of me is kind of mad that you watched Space Jam without me because I wanted to get drunk and watch it. But then one night you just got bored and just watched it and fell asleep at the couch. Like I think you're running out of time because it, it, it's that 45 days thing. Oh, no. Or 30 days, however many days. Okay, well, and, then, and then it'll come back. Trust we'll me, figure that, it out. That's one big commercial for HBO Max, so... Oh, yeah, it's not going to be gone for very long. Yeah. We'll find a time. Anyway, yeah. I'm we'll Nick, alongside Emily. As always, hello. Emily, what did you think of this, the April 19th, 1999 Nitro? You know, not my favorite. Yeah, I, I enjoyed it in the moment, and the more I've distanced from it, the more I'm like, yeah, it was, it was all right. We'll see if our opinions change as we're talking about it, but yeah, just set the expectation going in. It's an like, all right show. It was pretty boring overall. Like, yeah, you're right. Maybe the op- maybe my um, opinion will change while we're talking. But like, I read over like we watched this a couple days ago, and I read over the notes that I took, and it was kind of just like, yeah, this happened. Oh yeah, that happened. Like there wasn't a lot of excitement in this episode. But you should still listen. Oh yeah, I'm really selling this well. <laughs> well. It's just not not uh, dragging it out too much. Let's dive right into this because we are live from the University of Florida. Go Gators! Which they mention constantly, and yeah, Tony's in a fucking Florida shirt. Bobby's in Florida Gator colors. Ric Flair later will come out in a Florida T-shirt. So I did notice that there seemed to be a lot more spirit wear in this episode for like location than there is in like any other episode. But there's so much for Florida. Yeah, this is also, I mean, around maybe the height of popularity of college football. And Florida was kind of big with that. So, yeah, it's yeah, like okay. late 90s, early 2000s, I think, honestly, was popularity height for that. It's still very popular, but really? it just feel like it swept the nation a little more then. I, yeah, I got, obviously, I don't pay attention to football, but. We're, we're only a few years away from Tebow time. I do remember the Tebow craze. He played for Florida. Yes, I remember this. Yes. As he, you're saying it, it makes he, sense. He just got cut from the Jacksonville Jaguars. IRL? Yeah. Tim Tebow was on the Jaguars? He got signed as, as, as a tight end, and then there were two viral clips of him trying to block, and it went <laughs> terribly, and they cut him like the next day. Well, because he played as a, um, as a quarterback, didn't he? Yeah. Why did they sign him as a tight end? Because he... Didn't have the skill set for quarterback anymore, and nice. he he's built like a, <laughs> he's he's built like a brick shit house. Oh, okay. and his old coach is now the coach of the Jaguars. That's why they signed up. Oh wow, that sucks. So bad news. Tim Tebow will not be here tonight. I'm pretty sure at this point in time he's like 15 or 16, maybe. Hey, maybe he's watching. I don't know if Nitro has good Christian values, <laughs> uh, but Goldberg is here, and that's what we open with. He just shows up in a white car. It's not a Nice looking car. Yes. I was kind of surprised. I was like, oh, who's this going to be? It was Goldberg. I'm like, dude, you're you're making a lot of money. You can afford more. he's making less than we think. No, as I was saying it, he makes a lot of money, but he saved like almost all of it. 
well, good for him. Yeah, he was he, he was uh, fiscally responsible. Which is rare to hear about in the WWE, especially in WCW with Ric Flair being there, you know? All of them. Just yeah. most of them. Most of them. But Goldberg is here, and he arrives at the arena and tells the camera tonight it's him and DDP for the title. <laughs> so he which a- seems to be booked kind of like the Steiner thing was last yeah. week. This one I didn't get so much of a, like... There was more room for it not being... It was right. M- there wasn't so much of a miscommunication, it felt like, with this. With the Steiner thing last week, it was very much like one person thought that this match was already booked. Another person thought they were announcing that the match was booked. That seemed more like a miscommunication than this. But Goldberg had a line that made me laugh when he got out of the car. Because he does his, like, patented, who's next? And he goes, who's next? I'm next. <laughs> like, what the fuck are you trying to say? What? <laughs> it's me. I'm next. See, now I just think of the scene from Liar Liar where Goldberg's going to go into the bathroom. I'm kicking my ass. <laughs> do you mind? Oh, my God. It was just so weird. Or are they going to do a, uh imposter Goldberg storyline? That'd be funny. I'd be down for that. Honestly, on the right day, Scott Norton, I think, could come out and you could tell me that, oh, no, it's Goldberg. And I would probably believe you. Probably even have Austin do it. That'd be, that'd like, be funny. That'd be cool. You do Imposter Goldberg with Gilberg and treat it like a shoot. Like, like, I'm talking about like in WCW, yeah. not in WWE, but like that'd be funny. Gilberg. forgot about Gilberg. On commentary, we have Tony Schiavone, Bobby Heenan, and a bottle of Surge again. Yeah, I think it's probably the same bottle. Like, they didn't drink it. Tony notes that Roddy Piper is here and hypes up Scott Steiner versus Conan for the U.S. title later in the night. Hmm. We... Pretty quickly shift to our first match of the evening, which is Scott and Steve Armstrong versus Chris Benoit and Dean Malenko with Arn Anderson. You had never heard of the Armstrongs before. No, Scott and Steve were new to me. I know very little of them. You've actually seen Scott Armstrong a fair bit and don't realize it. I don't know if he still is, but he's a longtime WWE ref. Oh, okay. Yeah, definitely during like the like early mid 2010s he's around because they did a whole thing of him being a crooked referee and it came out of fucking nowhere and it was like why now why him and then their dad is uh bullet bob armstrong who's a old school legendary kind of wrestler who i assume you have never heard of and i only know on name and reputation the only person i know with the the first name bullet is bullet bill (laughs) see i know his father bonsai bill Please, Bonsai is my father. Call me Bullet. Bonsai Bill, cousin of Yokozuna. I was making a Mario reference. like So was I. Just tied it back into wrestling. <laughs> Yokozuna would, would always yell Bonsai. That was like his promo. Someone... Bonsai! <laughs> no, he didn't yell it like chance time in Mario Party. <laughs> Tie it all together. Everything comes together. No, whoever would cut a promo, it would just cut to him and he'd go, Bonsai! And that would be it. That was his promo. <laughs> well, you know. It's better than, like, a Kevin Nash promo. It's about the same. Florida! <laughs> That's it. So, back to the... We haven't even gotten to the start of the match yet. Nope. <laughs> the ramp is still awkward. That bit of logo is still on the start of it, so everybody has to kind of walk around awkwardly. There's somebody that just walked right down the middle of it. I think, I think it's Goldberg. Made, I thought it was, like, DDP. Some people kind of do it. It's a matter yeah. of, I think it's just a bit slippery, so it's like a, okay, walk Don't here at your it. own risk. I don't notice the awkward walk around. You're going to Mandy so. Rose yourself. <laughs> I 
Oh, man. Which I think they cut off the network. I think they did. It lives on forever on Twitter, though. Which is weird because they talked about it a bunch on Raw, like, afterwards. Oh, really? Yeah, they they somehow transferred that to Nia Jax. Yeah, it it was weird and bad. But it's like, how are you going to cut this off Peacock and the network, but then still have it in stories? Yeah, that I don't get. Match starts, and the Armstrongs actually get offense, which I was surprised to see. I thought this was going to be a total squash. Me too. Like, my first note here was just like, ah, gee, I wonder who's going to win. You know, Dean and Chris Benoit versus anybody. Like, obviously, the other person's going to lose. So, well, I, I started mean, it with like, well, ah, this is The difference between versus anybody and versus nobody. Right. Versus a nobody. Yeah. So, to me, yeah, I thought this was going to be like a quick squash match. Sort of nothing. But honestly, I was pretty impressed with it. Like, it started off the show with a lot of high energy. I think a lot of that quick. can be given to, like, the crowd as well. The crowd is super hot tonight. Maybe yeah, a little too hot at certain yes, points. Yes, I wanted to bring that up. They are so loud. So I know that WWE has the capability to mute the crowd. I don't know if WCW has the capability of, like, turning the volume down on the crowd mics. But in this episode in particular, it was so hard to hear commentary. Like, throughout the whole show. Well, I'm not talking about that, but I agree with you. I'm talking about there's large random Goldberg chants during this match. Like, guys, mm-hmm. it's not going to be three hours of Goldberg, okay? And, like, you're into this match. It, it's not like they're doing a CM Punk chant of, like, right. fuck what's going on. They'll just randomly start chanting for Goldberg at various points. Like, what? You just think he's going to run in on every match? Right. No, that's true. I just thought they were so loud. Yeah. And it, this I had a weird bugaboo about this match, and I think it's Scott Armstrong. I do not like the look of singlets that have like the trunks bottom, like 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 the more like underwear style bottom as opposed to like briefs bottom. Oh, like what Brodus Clay wears. You <laughs> do not have any mates. <laughs> yeah, you know the uh, the <laughs> yeah the mudslide. Listen, it's not always the dick fat that's the problem. It just looks weird. No, I agree. I think the only person who I'm fine with it is Andre the Giant. And it's also, it's weirdly more fine if it's only one strap. When you have the two straps, it just looks weird. See, I do think you have a little bit of nostalgia goggles for Andre the Giant's look. Because he's Andre the Giant. He is a classic wrestler. So you're going to say like, oh, it's fine on him. Because, you know, nostalgia. He's great. But like Finley does it as well. And I don't think it looks good. And it's like, yeah, it doesn't look good on a lot of people. And I just think it's... And I think, honestly, with Andre, it might just be the fact that it's one strap, so it's a different thing. Maybe. I don't know, but I just, I got mildly distracted by that during this match. Yeah, I did not notice. Which, was it, was it an Armstrong that was wearing that? I think it was Scott. Okay. Yeah, there's nothing terribly fancy in this match. I don't know if you have any actual match spots, because I pretty much only have the spot for the finish. Yeah, no, it was, it went a lot longer than I anticipated it going. I thought it was going to be a quick squash match and it was really high energy, like really flippy, like quick. It was, or not flippy, but jumpy, high flying moves. It was fun. I really enjoyed this match. On the outside, Arn Anderson starts brawling with one of the Armstrongs and the referee Charles Robinson just sees it and seems fine with it. Yeah, well, but he's a screwy ref, so we're, I'm willing to run it off. But it was just like, he was so blatantly brawling that I'm like, Okay, and then we'll get to the Ric Flair match later, and um, this this will be surpassed, but for story reasons. Well, yeah. <laughs> Dean hits a tiger bomb into a Texas cloverleaf and gets the win. Yeah, nothing really special, but this was technically sound, and the crowd was hot for it. Mm-hmm. It was an exciting match. It was technically sound, it was fast-paced, didn't go too short, but also didn't overstay its welcome, which I think is like 
a really important thing in a lot of these matches with, you know, quote-unquote nobodies. If they go too long, it's boring. But if they stay at that right level of pacing and timing, like, it's great. I thought this was a great match. I gave this four stars. Yeah, I wouldn't have gone that high. Four stars. Maybe three and a half. I I feel like if you skipped this, you wouldn't wouldn't lose too much, personally. No, but, like, in the context of this show, like, this was the best match. Yeah. To me, at least. So from there, we go backstage, and Roddy Piper receives some signed papers. Uh, for context, you needed to watch Thunder. And apparently, Ric Flair is now just signing a bunch of stuff without reading it. And Arn Anderson's like, dude, what the fuck are you doing? Oh, so this was Roddy Piper taking advantage of that. Yeah. Okay, that makes more sense. Because he just, this clip just had Roddy Piper with a, clip, a clipboard and some paper. Yeah, so. And we didn't know what was on Somebody the who works in the office gave him a bunch of paperwork to sign, and apparently one of them was something vague that Roddy Piper was like, oh, wow, he signed this? Mm. And so we'll follow up with that later in the night. Okay, I like, the context helps. From there, we get the Nitro opening, and in the Nitro opening is our only instance of seeing the Nitro girls tonight. Yeah, I kind of missed them. Yeah? Yeah. I like the Nitro girls. I miss Spice. I thought I'm the one who's supposed to miss Spice. I can miss Spice. To be fair, I'd rather make her miss Spice. So you want to marry her and take her name? Yeah. yeah. Okay, sure. It's 2021. Very forward of you. Well, it's 99 at this point. Well, you wouldn't be... If you married her in 99, you'd be five? Listen, have you seen Milk Money? No. Don't. Okay. Oh, wait. Is it Milk Money or Blank Check? There's one of them where there's an implied romance between a, like, child and adult, and it's not okay. But it's the 90s, so... (laughs) It's fine. It's fine. I forget which one it is. (laughs) That's okay. Backstage, Randy Savage and Gorgeous George arrive, and security stops them on the orders of Ric Flair, but then Roddy Piper's like, no, 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 they're good to let in, and security's like, so you'll take responsibility? And Piper's like, yes, and I'm like, you would still be fired, sir. I don't think Ric Flair gives a shit about that Roddy Piper said it was okay. I don't know, this does, like, you're not wrong, but I do like that the security guard actually was, like, thinking things through, like, I was told no, but if you're saying yes, this is on you, not me, oh, right? Yeah, like, yeah. he actually was yeah. thinking it through and not just like, oh, you said yes, I guess it's fine. Like, oh, oh, oh. like actually gave it some forethought. Yeah. Which is rare. Again, rare. We go back to the ring and there's a Mean Gene interview with DDP. And it's difficult with DDP's entrances. Because the music is dubbed, they dub the crowd too. So it's, mm, yeah. it's unfortunate if we will literally never receive a genuine ddp reaction authentic yeah yeah unless we watch uh like a different stream yeah but once the music cuts ddp is getting booed out of the fucking building like this was another instance of the crowd being so loud like he has to like scream over them but apparently they apparently crowd has gotten the memo about ddp being a heel i guess ddp wishes hulk hogan the best in his surgery and it's just one of those where no one ever seems satisfactory with how ddp is handling the hulk hogan situation I feel like DDP could, like, personally give Hulk Hogan surgery and, like, have him tip-top the next day and people would still be like, ooh, I don't know about that. Yeah, you're not wrong. (laughs) So Gene asks DDP about Goldberg. DDP says Goldberg keeps getting himself worked up. Says that Goldberg wants to be DDP Mm -hmm. and sees a lot of him in Goldberg. Like, I don't. What? (laughs) I don't see what you see. Yeah. I think it's meant to be a heel line. It just kind of comes off. He wants to be me. Yeah. Yeah. So DDP says he's not going to put the title on the line, which prompts Goldberg to come out. And a great line from Gene, just, I'm out of here. <laughs> but Goldberg comes out 
just screams and then leaves. <laughs> like, and apparently DDP what? accepted the fact that it would be a title match now. And from a scream. It was just like, ah, oh, okay, here's the title match. Like, what? Where's the logic there? It was, that made no sense to me. Yeah. So we, we got that later in the night. That'll be the night's main event. Woohoo! Backstage, we get a grand return. It actually took me a second to realize who it was. We get Roddy Piper with the golden child, the David boy Flair. <sighs> Man, did you miss him? I was thinking we haven't seen him in a while. <laughs> That's okay. We're going to see a lot of him. Ugh. Maybe his acting gets better? I don't know. Yeah, I doubt it. <laughs> I'm hopeful, but I doubt it. I just know we haven't actually seen Charlotte on WCW television yet, and we will eventually via, via David Flair feuding with Rick at some point, I think, in 2000. Does David ever have a feud with anybody that is not Rick? Like a one-on-one feud? He's involved in a feud. But it's not a one-on-one thing? Well, two women are fighting over his affection. Oh, for the love of and I'm pretty sure Stacy Keeble. I'm oh, sorry, oh. Miss Hancock is one of them. Ms. Wait, pardon? <laughs> we'll get there. First of all, I just need to think about Stacy Keebler is vying for David Flair's affection. I mean, right now, Stacy Keebler can get any man on this planet, and she did. She got fucking George Clooney. She does not need David Flair. I mean, right now, Tori Wilson is still, you know. Oh. Involved with him. Oh my god. He's not attractive. So Piper and David Flair talk about Rick being committed for 72 hours and Piper gets David to sign the paperwork and so now they can take Rick away, I guess. What a great son. I did think this was a bit heelish on Roddy Piper's part. It seems like he's really going through... He's like sneaking Rick Flair into a mental hospital. I mean, yeah, it is absolutely heelish. But he's not meant to be the heel. Although, absolutely comes off like a heel later tonight. But oh, for sure. Now, did you notice what David Flair had during this segment? A surge? He did. He had a surge. <laughs> They're shoehorning that sponsorship in anywhere they can. Get a new drinking game. Take a shot for every time there's a <laughs> bottle of surge. surge. Finish the bottle if you ever actually see them drink the surge. Yeah, really. So we go from that backstage to somewhere else backstage with Gene and DDP again. Gene asked DDP to clarify if the Goldberg match is set. It is. Which, I guess that's important because it was really vague. It was very vague, so I did appreciate this. And he was like, yes, the title is on the line. Yes. And then Gene wants DDP to watch the footage of him injuring Hulk Hogan. And DDP just, like, walks away. Like, why? Why? Why would you? Why? Why would you watch that? If you're DDP, why would you watch it? Again, I stand by. Bret Hart did this to multiple people in the early days of the podcast. Yeah. And no one batted an eye. No, whatever. So next up, we have our second match of the night. It is a... I forget what they call their Fatal 4-Ways. So uh, I think they just called it a four-corner match. It is the four-corner match, but it has the tornado rules. I wonder if they're just doing them that way now, because they didn't... They didn't say tornado rule, but it is tornado yeah. rules. So for the Cruiserweight title, it is Psychosis versus Blitzkrieg versus Juventud Guerrera versus Rey Mysterio Jr. And before we get into this, Jesus Christ, I had a hard time taking notes on this. Yeah, there was a lot happening. It was a very content-heavy match, I yeah. guess. Yeah, because they did it better than the main event from Spring Stampede, but they still are struggling with only one thing happening at a time. Yeah. It's like, guys, we, we can only look at one spot, so when you're doing something else in a different spot, we don't notice it. Right. 
Rey Mysterio comes out in his Dudley Boys cosplay again. <laughs> Only has the Cruiserweight title with him. Does not have the tag team title with him. Dissension? And early on in this match, or like right before it, we cut to the crowd. Emily, who did oh we see? Oh my god, I didn't even write this down. But oh my god. So, they go to the, the audience, and there's just a dark cloaked man with, I think, a... Uh, it's like a black mohawk. Yeah, a black mohawk and matrix sort of sunglasses, and he's just Shitty standing black there. black facial hair. Stand, sitting there with these long silver finger rings. like Which look finger. like tinfoil. They, they do look like tinfoil. But then commentary is like... I was I was upset about this. They gave away who it was. I yeah. I was hoping they were just going to call him by his new ring name, so which is Berlin. Oh Jesus! Well, okay, I'll take that. And anyway, Emily, who is this man? Commentary goes. I think that's Alex Wright. <laughs> you remember Alex Wright from like the first episode of this podcast? Yeah, and I was you, like, I love him. Thought he was a hunk. He was. He was. <laughs> no, no more. Yeah, so we just get a random shot of that. Nothing really happens with him all night. We will see him again later, but nothing of note. It's just, he looks so bizarre. It's like this man saw the Matrix and was like, that. I want that. That's me now. Like, bud. Wonder so his name is Berlin. No yeah, apparently. I mean, okay. I don't hate it. We go to the match, and I noted here, all four men in the ring for this one, which is good for quality and bad for notes. Oh my god, yeah. In terms of notes, a tornado match is the absolute worst. Like, a tag match is better for this kind of this kind of wrestling, for sure. Yeah, the issue is I hate that type of fatal form. I know. Hoovy and Psychosis team up early on. Ray hits a springboard senton, assisting Hoovy with a powerbomb. We get a double-team missile dropkick spinebuster combo from Hoovy and Psychosis. They try for another move, but Hoovy ends up hitting a diving famouser to Psychosis. <laughs> Ray goes for a corner springboard moonsault and clips the camera mid-move. Yeah, I thought he did. Okay, I'm glad you caught that too. Psychosis hits a big press and then a spin kick on Hoovy. And both eat baseball slides and springboard moonsault presses to the floor. I was thinking about this. I'm like, why didn't Blitzkrieg and Ray just do simultaneous like springboard moves? And I'm like... Imagine that'll fuck with your balance if you're both trying to do a springboard move from the same rope. Oh, absolutely. If it was, like, adjacent corners, then sure. Yeah, but, but like, no, same side to yeah, the floor. It's like, yeah, I think, think you got to alternate there. So, Blitzkrieg really impressed me in this match. I remember he looked pretty good in, in his last match, too. He's he's an impressive flyer. Like, we don't get to see him very often on TV, but, like, when we do, I'm, I like Blitzkrieg. I don't think he makes it out of this year. Really? Yeah. Oh, that's sad. Back inside, Ray goes for a diving crossbody, but he gets countered with a dropkick. Blitzkrieg tries for two running, spinning sentons to yeah. a down Hoovy that just look more weird than cool. Yeah, he's just kind of flailing. It seems <laughs> he's a flailing boy. Hoovy hits a top rope dropkick to the back of Blitzkrieg's head. I'm like Jesus! Oh my god! Fucking yeah, fucking sniped him. Is that the one that we backed up and watched again? There's, there is a move in this that we had to rewind and watch again. I can't remember what it was. Must might have been that. It was basically a fucking 360 no-scope yeah. movie. Oh. Ray hits a head scissors, then hypes up the crowd before hitting a lion salt. <laughs> again, just pissing on the memory of, of Chris Jericho. He's, his body's not even cold. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's not. Hoovy hits a reverse DDT on Ray, and Psychosis hits a springboard splash onto Ray. Ray hits a top row bulldog and then goes for a sloppy rolling springboard moonsault, but Psychosis kicks out. Mm. Back from commercial, Ray and Blitzkrieg end up on the outside and Hoovy hits a vaulting flip onto the two. Psychosis then hits a spinning moonsault onto all three. Which looked cool. I did like that. Back inside, Hoovy hits a diving hurricane rana. 
Ray all of a sudden busts out a power bomb and he hits it. I'm like, ah, he's practicing for when he faces Billy Kidman. <laughs> yeah, no face busters in this one. Well, not this match. This episode, there will be one. Not in this in this match, the cruiserweight title match. Blitzkrieg locks in an inverted figure four, which happened so quick. I only like half saw how he did it. Oh, yeah. But Ray breaks it up with a springboard leg drop. Hoobie then hits a springboard leg drop on Psychosis. Hoobie hits a power bomb, and Ray tries for the pin, but Psychosis breaks it up. Ray hits a top rope Frankensteiner, but it gets broken up for a pin. To where I rode, this is exhausting. I rode that too. I was like, my God, I'm tired. I, I will admit from this point, I really got a little looser on calling the spots. Because I was great. trying real hard. And then I'm like, I feel like I'm going to die. We had to take a break after we this did. match. You're doing great though. Like, this is good. Ray hits a Bronco Buster on Hoovy, And then Psychosis gets into position for another Bronco yeah. Buster. And Ray, like, doesn't notice for a little too long. I think someone actually has to say, say something to him because oh, he finally bit. notices. But he's doing it on Hoovy. A psychosis just kind of slowly gets into the corner and, like, sits. And it's like, okay, you can do a second one. And Ray's just wandering just around. Yeah, I missed that. We both love Ray Mysterio. But I've noticed sometimes in multi-person matches, he's not the most aware. And the, I think the only reason I remember this is because there's a Royal Rumble where John Cena, like, yells at him for not being aware of what's around him. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's, it's like, 2018, Don't 2017. yell at Rey Mysterio. Well, he, like, randomly, like, turns him around, like, you fucked up or something. I'm like, oh, okay. Oh, shit. Yeah, it's a really random spot because John doesn't punch him afterwards. He just, like, turns him and then they just, like, go somewhere and do something. And I'm like, <laughs> oh. From there... Blitzkrieg hits a Phoenix Splash on Psychosis. A Phoenix Splash? Is that what it's called? Yeah, a like Moonsault turned into like a 450 Splash. That's a Phoenix Splash. Oh, I like that. Seth Rollins breaks those out on rare occasions. Okay. I like things called Phoenix. I'm into Phoenixes right now. We get it. You like Dumbledore. Shut up. <laughs> Hoovy hits a Hoovy driver on Blitzkrieg. We then get a real sloppy face buster to Hoovy from Ray that like clearly resulted miscommunication. And the two end up on the outside, so Blitzkrieg can set up for a superplex. Instead, Psychosis counters and hits a diving leg drop, and Psychosis gets the win. I was shocked. There's a new Cruiserweight champion, Psychosis. So, to me, what this means is the reign of, oh, sorry that we unmasked you, Ray, is over. I don't know about that. I, I mean, so. he's still a tag team champion, so unless he loses that. Yeah, but I, that's a lot less prestigious than, um, like, a singles title. I think that think? I think these tag team titles are worth more than the cruiserweight title. I disagree. I think that having a singles title as opposed to How? a tag team title is more prestigious. That that's some WWE brainwashing of you oh, there. Oh no, really? Yeah, but oh, also, no. I mean, most management doesn't give a shit about the cruiserweight title because, in the words of Kevin Nash, they're a bunch of vanilla midgets. As uh, is Eddie Guerrero, apparently. I don't like that. Yeah. Can we acknowledge that that's not the right word to say? But the main point is that they don't value that title as they Which do the other ones. Because main eventers aren't going down to the cruise. I mean, even WWE, WWE, we're watching in 2002, still hasn't changed the graphic from I the know. old title. I have not hidden the fact that I like the cruiserweight titles way more than anything else. But it's it's obvious that WCW and WWF, WWE, really kind of go for the bigger guys well you and know, they want to put the titles on them well I, you know as the saying goes so this is where the big boys play look at the adjective play <sighs> jesus christ 
It's just, that's not where the talent is. I thought you were going to be like, it's not an adjective. We've already had that conversation. I need to let that go. <laughs> trying to Him, meditate a little more lately. Kevin Nash being reminded of that on Stone Cold's podcast gave me life. Anyway, it's just, you can very clearly see the athleticism and the actual skill and talent within the wrestler in the cruiserweight divisions. They're the high flyers. They're the jumpers. They do all the acrobatics. Like, I think that should be more lauded. Yes, there's something to be said for, one, the ability to be able to cut a good promo. Sure. And the ability to put the talented moves together in a match that tells an interesting story. And isn't just move, move, move. I mean, on a smaller scale, that's the issue we have with most, most hack matches, is it's just move, move, or, you know, or rather, weapon shot, weapon shot, weapon shot. Yes. But I, there's got to be a middle ground. Yeah. And it's largely the current product. You're right. You're actually right. But this match was good. It was exhausting. I don't know why I didn't love it. I really liked it. I mean, I gave it three stars, but I liked it. I thought it was really fun. But, like, I like any high-flying, fast-paced match. I think it's fun. Yeah. It's I, more I, engaging. I can't put my finger on why I didn't love this match, but mm. I just... And maybe it was just the fact that it was a little too fast-paced to where... Nothing settles in. Okay, that's fair. I was thinking maybe you were letting your exhaustion kind of dictate how you liked it. Well, I think one factors into the other is sometimes sure. you need time to breathe and take in what's happening. It's just, ah, ah, ah. Sure, but I think, like, with you doing the play-by-play, I think you're trying to, like, vigorously scribble down or type whatever note you yeah. can, and you're not being able yeah. to, like, watch the match. But, actually, example of something um, that I saw a clip from the other day it's kind of the NXT problem. To quote Matthew from Botchamania's uh, Twitter, Oh my god, he kicked out of the top rope fuckinator. I don't believe it. <laughs> There's a Phoenix splash in this match that doesn't end the match. No, you're right. I watched a clip the other day of it's Ricochet and Adam Cole. And Ricochet is like mid like springboard moonsault. And Adam Cole super kicks him out of the air while he's upside down. Two count. Oh, sorry. What? And then, and <laughs> then, so cool, and then, like, hits his finisher or, or a, you know, a massive move. Kick out. It's like, <sighs> know when the climax is. Snail, you, you're just mashing it now. <laughs> so we move on from that, and I think Emily's about to geek out a little bit because we get a mean gene interview with Ric Flair. Flair comes out in a Florida t shirt under his blazer and a really weird look there. I didn't hate it. He gets a face reaction, which is different from what he's getting. The fact that they're down south might be why, because it's kind of horseman country. I don't know. This is Gainesville, Florida, not Gainesville, Georgia, because I think the Georgia one is where... Is there a Gainesville, Georgia? I'm pretty sure AJ Styles is from there. So I think it just might be a a matter of it's horseman country. But he gets a face reaction, and maybe it's because of the face reaction, but we get an old favorite. As like no, it was it's not over the as top. great. But like a couple of weeks ago, I I was sad because you told me that we were done with the mean Wu by God jeans. I assumed we were, and we got one. I'm so excited. He was in this episode a lot. Yeah, we kept. Cutting I mean, we've back already seen him, we've already like seen him two three or three times. times. It, he just he's just there, and he is making his presence known in this episode. He is in attendance. 
So Flair comes out and he says he's going to buy everyone a round of drinks across the street. Oh, yeah. He like calls out a local bar or something. He's like, first round's on me. There's a round on me, whatever. Which I was peeking at the episodes of Thunder just to see if there's anything of note. I was kind of curious how they followed up on a couple of things on Thunder. They largely don't. But there's segments with Ric Flair backstage and he tells Charles Robinson to call a certain bar. To tell them they're coming, there'll be a party of like six or eight or something. Yeah. And the bar is called Howl at the Moon, which at this point in time is a dueling piano bar chain across the U.S. There's a handful of locations. At this point in time, do you mean in 99? No, I mean, I'm thinking in 2021. I don't. Yes. I'm. It might still be the same thing back then. Can you I don't imagine know. if he's going to Howl at the Moon, like our Howl at the Moon? So, I'm well, sorry. it wouldn't be our one. We because... should clarify. So, like Nick said, Howl at the Moon is a chain of dueling piano bars throughout the U.S., at least on the East Coast. I know there's one in Philadelphia. There's one in D.C., supposedly. There used to be one where we live, but they shut it down in February of 2020 because they were going to open up a different location. They still haven't opened that location because of, you know, the pandemic. So we have plans to, like, go to Philadelphia for my birthday to go to this bar. It's such a fun bar. It's, like, they, they play, like, covers of pop songs. It's super, like, basic. Like, usually when we're there, there are groups of, like, middle-aged white women just, like, having the time of their lives, you know. But so are we. And they have giant cocktails in these little buckets. And I'm just, oh, man, I miss Howl at the Moon so much. So when Nick sent me this clip of them from Thunder being like, call Howl at the Moon, lost my mind. Howl at the Moon has been a highly successful dueling piano concept that has grown dramatically since its inception in 1990. Stop it! <laughs> no! <laughs> Shut the fuck up. Is there is there a Howl at the Moon in Gainesville, Florida? I mean, Please. this is 22 years ago. There could have been locations. Oh my places. god. Okay, manifesting it. That happened. That happened. They went to the dueling piano bar. Oh my god, I'm going to cry. <sighs> There is still one in Orlando, so maybe they just took a long drive. I also don't know where Thunder is the next time, so it's possible. Anyway, back to the episode. Flair says he's going to do what he wants, which prompts Roddy Piper to come out, who gets a kind of a heel reaction. I mean, he's kind of being a heel. Yeah, he does come out wearing his knee pads and wrestling boots, which just looked weird in the ensemble, because he's rocking the kilt. Oh, yeah, the bright blue yeah. socks or whatever it was. Boots. Boot. Were they boots? Yeah. They looked like shin guards. Flair asks why Piper is trying to hop on his bandwagon. And Piper says that Flair is becoming the Dennis Rodman of WCW and gets booed for saying so. So you're going to have to explain that one to me. Dennis Rodman just is a little wacky. We talked, we talked about him previously because he shows up on WCW television at various points, despite being a member of the Chicago Bulls. And skipping practices to go be on Nitro. Hmm, okay. We've talked about him before. Yeah, it, it, this rings bells. I just don't know why I forgot about it. Yeah, I think it's, it's more just implying he's off his rock a little bit. However, I'm pretty sure we're not done with Dennis Rodman. So it's interesting they name drop him here. Interesting. I don't know how much more we have of him, but I think we still have more. Okay. Piper says that Flair is going crazy and isn't fit to be president. And he asks Rick as a friend to step down. Piper asks Arn for backup, but Arn says, pretty much, it's just Rick being Rick. It's like, you're taking off your clothes, middle of the ring. And Arn's like, yeah, it's pretty, yeah. Uh, guys being dudes, you know? It's like, you're handcuffing yourself and getting naked. It's like, yeah. yeah. That's that's what Rick does. Flair then gets down to his boxers. And As gets, one does. And gets fired up, but Piper tries to cut him off. Flair calls himself President of the United States, which is also a thing that was happening on Thunder. 
Oh, okay. Because I thought that was a slip up. No, it's, I thought he like misspoke. It's meant to be him losing his mind. Well, it worked. I thought it was a slip up that just worked. Flair tries to fire Piper, but Piper just says, "I'm not fired." <laughs> they just keep going back and forth. You're fired. I'm not fired. You're fired. I'm not fired. Yeah, <laughs> I'm gonna use that at work if I ever get fired. I'm not fired. <laughs> Piper books Flair versus Kevin Nash, which apparently Ric Flair signed off on as one of those papers. Mm. And Arn almost like passes out, has to, like lay down in the corner when that gets booked. Flair then books himself versus Piper for control of the company at Slambury. Flair then tells Piper he's fired, but I'm going to fight you first. <laughs> and just is constantly following Roddy Piper out of the building to tell Piper he's fired and argue about it. And it's just a hilarious mess. It's such a mess. Because he keeps being like, you're fired, but we're fighting. Yeah. Like, what is it? Am I fired or are we having a match? What is it? Maybe he is actually losing his mind. I have seen a transcript of this. But before I saw the episode, I didn't know it was this episode. The transcript is one of the most confusing things to read on your own. Because it's just like, you're fired. I'm not fired. You're fired. <laughs> and and yeah, the President of the United States thing comes out of nowhere in that transcript too. It came out of nowhere to me in this promo. So that's why when you're saying it was on Thunder, I honestly thought it was a mistake. Yeah. So Ric Flair has basically gone crazy and... Roddy Piper isn't going about this the best way. But later on, we will have Ric Flair versus Big Sexy Kevin Nash. Let's think about booking yourself to be called Big Sexy. Right? Yeah, I don't like that. We go backstage and Stevie Ray tells Conan that Nash wants to see him. Conan declines, so they beat him down and then it just quickly cuts away. Yeah, but... (laughs) So let's go to match number three on the night. God, it feels like more than that. It's a trash can kendo stick match, which is Brian Nobbs versus Hack with Chastity. <laughs> You're talking about his name. Yeah, part of one half of the Nasty Boys, Brian Nobbs. Oh, and the Nasty Boys? Yeah. Oh. We talked okay. about them briefly. I remember the name, yeah. Oh, I forget. Him or Jerry Sags, one of them's a piece of shit, and I forget which one. I hope it's not Brian Nobbs. It might. I mean, it's one or the other. I don't remember which one. <laughs> But before we get to that, Tony has to try to summarize the last segment on commentary. <laughs> I'm just like, yeah, it's like, right, good give, luck, bud. Give that man a raise. I don't even remember. I don't think he even did it all that well, but it was still just like, he all right, it. what happened? Uh, Fuck if I know. Um, someone might be fired, but not. And there's a slim rematch, maybe. So Hack comes out wrapped in barbed wire and Chastity has her laundry cart full of weapons. Chastity's still doing the prep, more kind of preppy schoolgirl look here. Yeah, However, commentary does stuff. not perv over her, which was nice. Which is nice. A nice change of pace. Hack gets in the ring and is immediately hit in the head with a trash can. Repeatedly. Which is fine because it's a trash can match. I'm not mad about that. We then get a wet floor sign to Hack's head. <laughs> okay, that's, yeah. So this is, this is a trash can kendo stick match. And we've had this conversation before with like a specific weapon match. You should be primarily using the weapons within the title of the match. So, because we've talked about it, the Nigerian drum match. The Nigerian drums weren't used at all. And that's very frustrating. So, if they had come out... I think there was one recently on this podcast that we talked about. I don't remember. It was a kendo stick match. Was it? And they, like, immediately went for the tables? Yeah. Yeah. That's not okay. If it was a table match and you went for the tables, great. But if it's a kendo stick match, use a goddamn kendo stick. The fact that they went for the trash cans first in a trash can kendo stick match, fine. Happy. Happy about it. Nob sends Hack to Pity City. (laughs) 
and then tosses him out of the ring. I think the worst one of those I've seen is um, they did. It. I think it was just because who they did it to. They did it to uh, Sensational Sherry, and I'm like, no, not Sherry. Oh, Sherry Niles. Not Sherry Niles. <laughs> We get a chair shot to Hack's head. They brawl on the outside. Hack tosses a chair in the ring. A ladder and trash can get tossed in the ring as well. They head back inside and Nobbs headshots Hack with the other can. Hack then gets lightly tossed onto the ladder, so Nobbs tosses it onto him afterwards. <laughs> as you do. Hack hits a running bulldog onto the ladder and then sets up a table in the middle of the ring. He lays Nobbs across and goes for a swanton bomb, but Nobbs moves and the table doesn't really break. Like, it breaks like 10%. Yeah, it just kind of flattens. And it looks like Hack's tailbone just smacks yeah. on the ladder. It was like, ooh. Nobbs then swings the ladder, Terry Funk style, at Hack's head <laughs> twice, and then a few kendo stick shots. Chastity grabs the stick and Hack gets the advantage. We get a vaulting leg drop onto Nobbs' head on a chair, which isn't much of a buff it didn't feel like no not really if the chair had been on his head that would have been one thing but it was the other way right hack goes up top a bam bam bigelow interferes and <gasps> uses a kendo stick to knock hack off the top onto a ladder we then get a really lame running jumping trash can shot to a down hack yeah and knobs gets the win it I, was fine i actively disliked this match really because i was just thinking about the match the week before and it's like you could have done something like this. Oh. And it was just like, it was basically going to a restaurant, ordering the same thing twice, and it being really good one time and not good the second time. And you're like, I know you can do this well. Granted, it's different people, but. Yeah. I, don't I, don't know. Know. I didn't actively dislike it. It's just another one where there, there's there's no selling. I and mean, every all the weapon shots are just so quick. and It did have the same issue where the... Um... Where the ring got filled up with weapons very quickly and yeah. it just became a mess in the ring. So, yeah. But I didn't actively dislike it. I mean, it's a weapons match. To me, it was like the same as any other weapons match. Yeah, it just looks sore and not worth it. Also, I, True. I think a lot of people were probably surprised that Brian Knobs was still employed. How long? Because I thought he was kind of new. Nasty Boys probably joined WCW around the same time Hogan did in 94. I know. Oh, God, really? Yeah, I think the last oh. major thing I can remember with them was probably like 96, 97. But I just kind of assumed when you were saying like one part of the Nasty Boys, like the Nasty Boys were part of like a different timeline. Well, they're part of a different time, I'll tell you that. I mean, like, not what we're watching, you know, like, way, way, like, later or way before. Like, Well, that's what I'm saying. Usually way before. But they're friends with Hulk Hogan, so they have a job anywhere he goes for the most part. Really? Okay, because, like, we've, how, how long have we been watching? We've never seen Brian Knobs. Yeah, I mean. That's shocking. Okay. To be fair, we've mostly been watching 99 Forward. Not so much before that. True, but if someone's on contract, I we had this conversation about Macho Man's brother. If someone's on contract, I expect to see them. I understand the logic in your right. sentence. That's not how WCW works. But you're paying them. Yep. So why wouldn't you use them if you're paying them? Because you don't want to use them. You just want to make sure WWE doesn't use them. Oh, fuck that. Or you made a deal and uh, Hogan won't sign with you, brother, unless you bring in some of his friends. Oh, my God. All right, I guess that makes sense, sort of. Like, kind of, I'm really. fucking, I think Ed Leslie still has a contract. We haven't seen The Disciples since that one Warrior segment. Yeah. They just have guys. I mean, WWE was doing it before they cut, you know, half their roster recently. True. Okay. They just have people sitting around. Which just make no sense to me. 
Moving on in the show, they hype up Ric Flair versus Kevin Nash, and this is where I realized that they're actually using matchup cards now. What do you mean? To hype up f- matches later in the night, they'll actually have like a graphic with an image of the oh, two of them. Oh, I didn't realize they hadn't been doing that. Yeah, I don't didn't really click with me until then. There is one, and we'll talk about it now, for Goldberg versus DDP, <laughs> where they really crappily photoshopped the WCW title on like an older photo of yeah. DDP. Like, all the photos are really from a couple years ago or something, and the title, like, very much is not actually on his shoulder there. Yeah, it's like, I am not good at Photoshop, but I feel like I could make that. Yeah. (laughs) We then suddenly cut to Randy Savage. He doesn't say much, but then he brings in Medusa, who probably also hasn't been seen in a long while. And he says he brought her in to train Gorgeous George. Medusa, the former Alundra Blaze who we talked about this, uh, cannot go back to WWF at this point yeah. because she dropped the title in the bin. Yeah, you were telling me the story about how she she won the women's title from WWE, the Divas title, I guess. No, 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 it was the women's title. The women's title? Okay. And came to WCW and threw it in the trash can? Yes, Eric Bischoff made her do it. Right. Yeah, and we haven't seen her on the podcast yet, and there's not a women's division, so I don't know what the fuck she's been doing yeah. since. Medusa is not, the origin of that name is not what you think it is. What do I think it is? I would assume the goddess Medusa, you know, turned to stone kind of thing. Oh, it's not that? Nope. It's meant to be short for Made in USA. What? (laughs) Yep. What? (laughs) How? (laughs) How is it not the Greek creature, but it's made in the... What? (laughs) I'm sorry. That's the stupidest shit I've ever heard. Medusa? If you're wondering why that might have sounded weird, Emily yelled too loud and GarageBand yelled at us again. It only happened one other time. I forget what it was for. That's so fucking stupid. I'm sorry. Oh my god. Sometimes the stupid just really gets me. But Medusa is mentioning how it's like, yeah, I'm happy we're finally able to fight the men. So Fight the patriarchy. Yeah, there's not much to this segment, so... I do like the storyline of a Blaze training Gorgeous George. I really like that. Yeah. It, I it, think that's awesome. Well, you know, who who is Macho Man Randy Savage to train anybody? He's not a woman. <laughs> it doesn't matter. It's a different style of wrestling. It is. Especially at this time. Like, what is Macho Man going to train her to do that, like, she could feasibly do? Plenty. In 99, though, like... I don't know. It's a different kind of wrestling. Granted, it's only a couple years later. Do you know who the main producer for women's wrestling in WWE was for a very long time? Stephanie McMahon, the inventor of women. Good guess. <laughs> Finley. Oh, fair. Okay. So I didn't know. Yeah. But like also, it makes, I just, Macho I like, Man Randy Savage is bordering on one of the greatest wrestlers of all time. No, no, no. You I can learn something from absolutely him. Absolutely, you can learn something. But I like the idea of a woman learning from a woman. Like, because... Gorgeous George is smaller, and she has, like, a relatively similar frame to Alundra Blaze. So, like, they can kind of... Alundra can kind of teach George, like, I can do this with my body. Like, try this. Macho Man's significantly bigger. He's not a power wrestler, though. No, he's not. But, again, just having somebody with your similar body type train you how to wrestle, like, I think it'll make a difference. This is probably talking about this way too much because it's not going to turn into anything other than a fucking bra and panties match. But it's a cool idea. I literally don't know if Gordichor wrestles a second match. Whatever. You know what? I can be hopeful. Moving on, we we stay backstage and we get Kevin Nash 
in really casual dad attire confronting the NWO B team about beating up Conan. Yeah, he really does look like a dad that just came back from, like, soccer practice pickup. Well, I was like, isn't your match mildly soon? Right. I feel like you should be getting ready. Warming up or something? Putting your gear on, maybe? Apparently, Steiner wants Nash's title shot at the pay-per-view. He's like, oh, you saw him hit me with a chair. I should get that title shot. So they're teasing a little dissension there. Dissension. The NWO just seems to be becoming a smaller and smaller part of the show. Which I'm fine with. Yeah, I just wish it was a little more of a story. No, I do agree. It just seems incidental. They just have to... That, this is the thing that I have an issue with, with, like, the contract thing. Like, they have to do something with these guys? Like, the NWOB team? Like, they have to do something with them? Why can't they just let them fade into non-existence? Because would it make a difference to you if, Because like, one is Booker T's brother, one is Hulk Hogan's nephew, one is Hulk Hogan's friend. I don't know where Scott Norton fits into this. <laughs> Um, I just I think that like the NWOB team could very much fade into the blackness, and if they didn't show up on TV for a few months, I think in a few months from now we'd be like, oh yeah, what happened to them? Ah, oh, whatever. I imagine that's kind of what'll happen when. But they because they're vanish. coming, they're still coming up on weekly TV. It's still something that we're talking about, and we're talking about like this is stupid. Why are we using them? I think if they just weren't there, we wouldn't care. We wouldn't miss them. So CB says that he knows but Nash is scheming and the jig is up. Nash tells him that you don't want any of this and walks off. And apparently, since they beat up Conan, they get to name Conan's replacement. And I'm like, how does that work? It doesn't. That's how that works. It doesn't. So they've decided that they're going to surprise Scott Norton with a U.S. title shot against Scott Steiner. Which, the way they say it seems to be a form of punishment. But like, ooh, you get a title shot. Right. Ooh. Ooh. Slap you on the wrist. How dare you. How dare you, young man. Here's the World Heavyweight Championship. <laughs> so, that match will be later. And Woohoo! Ne- up next, we get Buff Bagwell versus yeah! Disco Inferno. Buff has the fucking top hat again. How thrilled were you to see your boy? Were you so excited? Well, he, did you miss him? He grabs the mic and opens with something incredibly stupid. He challenges Scott Steiner to a U.S. title match at the pay-per-view. And his reasoning is because Goldberg got the title shot he asked for. And Ric Flair is just going around making matches. Ric Flair is the fucking president of the company. <laughs> He's That's allowed to part do that. of his job. Oh, my God. oh, since Ric Flair is doing whatever he wants, I guess I can too. That's not how that works, Marcus. <laughs> you know what? No, I'm done calling him Buff. I'm, I'm, I'm only calling. I'm only like Scott Snyder. I'm only calling him Marcus Alexander Bagwell. Good, do it. He's Marcus and he's the stuff. Nope, that doesn't work. <laughs> well, yeah, apparently Steiner is not buff and is not the stuff. What? No. Nah. Which, I think I, he, before he hit his catch rate, I think I, I think I beat him to it when we were watching it. You did, yeah. He also says that, controversially, that Big Papa Pump is not your hookup. Holler if you hear him. It's like, oh shit, now it's personal. Oh, he's not the hookup? Before this, it was business. Now, now it's personal. personal. Damn, calling him, hitting him where it hurts. So Disco comes out for the match, rocking pants that if you squint, you, you see an image. Pretty sure it's a sailboat. Oh, I didn't even look that hard. 
It's just one of those like designs where it's like, all right, if you like, yeah. like unfocus your eye, you see something. If you close your left eye and squint a little hard and just look that, off to the distance. That yeah. whole D story from Mallrats, that that kind of thing. Sure. Early on in this match, we get a buff taunt, which I started the counter, but he only does it once during this match. I was kind of surprised. Yeah, that's not the worst. I mean, we've seen worse. He's less cocky now. Which he does it, and Disco just goes, what the hell was that? <laughs> I did like that. We get a potentially interesting note from Bobby Heenan on commentary here of noting that Disco should leave the NWO and get a manager. Mm. It's like, yeah, they don't give a shit about him. He should go off on his own I and like, find someone to manage. Yeah, that's what I'm kind of saying with them is in terms of like Wolfpack, it's Nash, Steiner, I guess Disco. Technically Hall, but Hall's Hall's gone. Oh yeah, yeah, Hall's out. Hogan's out. Luger's kicking around. There's not a ton, ton left. No, there's really not. Remember this when the NWO was the entire fucking company. Yeah, Disco I think tries to do the buff taunt at one point, but does it so poorly that I'm like, was that what you were he going for? He kind of looked like a baby learning how to walk. He was just very unstable and kind of wobbly. It just looked like you were. Like a baby deer learning how to stand up. Around this time, he hits a nice swinging neck breaker. And then we cut to Berlin again in the crowd. My boy. <laughs> yeah, still. No. I liked Alex Wright. That's the problem. I liked Alex Wright. I thought he was hunky. I thought he was attractive. And now there's, you know, Mohawk Matrix Man. Ugh. Disco goes to the second rope, taunts for about forever, and then misses an elbow drop, and Marcus starts his comeback. Marcus, stop calling him Marcus. Marcus goes up top, but gets crushed. (laughs) Disco goes for the last dance, but Marcus hits a running blockbuster, which was kind of weird looking. He usually does that diving, and so it's just like a running, flipping neck breaker, which sounds cooler than the way I described it. Like, he basically takes the fucking bump for a hip toss, but it's like, oh, it's a neck breaker. Yeah, it was kind of weird. And gets the win. Woo! Yeah, this wasn't much of anything, but I will admit, I didn't feel the need as much to punch Marcus Bagwell in the face. Hey, that's an improvement. Yeah, I was like, okay. I didn't, yeah, I didn't want to die during this Baby steps, baby steps. We go to commercial and come back, and we get Scott Steiner coming out with three women. (laughs) I just called them the babes. Scott Steiner and the babes. And the freaks. No. Two of them kiss his biceps in the ring. Yeah. And I said I didn't think they were wooden boards during the promo, and then one of them started proving me wrong at one point. (laughs) It's like these women just don't know what to do with their arms while they're, like, standing behind Scott Steiner. It's the Ricky Boppy problem. It's like, where do I do with my hands? Exactly. And this one was just kind of, like... Poorly hitting modeling poses. Or the always sunny, where do I put my feet? Yeah, pretty much. But she was like putting her arm up and behind her head and like posing and modeling. I'm like, girl, you're just supposed to stand there and look pretty. What are you doing? So he starts the promo and would you guess it? He is the best at the sex. What? I thought that uh, Buff just said that he's not the hookup. But I don't know. I don't have a a joke for this feud. I know. (laughs) Having a joke would mean you give a shit. Steiner tells Buff that his ego is blinding him. Steiner says that he got tired of having a cheerleader and a knucklehead (laughs) Knucklehead. in the NWO, so he kicked him out. And notes, it's like, when I kicked you out, 
Do you notice how no one came down to help you? Mm. It's like, oh, wow. I just... You got real. Um. Steiner also says that Buff's mom wanted a girl, and that screwed him up. He also goes on to note that real men don't wax their eyebrows and aren't Chippendale dancers. First of all, fuck you, but like, also, fuck your gender norms. Also, I need to, I, I'm wrong. I, I shouldn't be calling him Marcus Bagwell, because Scott Steiner tries to give him a new nickname, which is Boy Bagwell. Boy, yeah, what? And uh, this is met. With arena-wide steroids chant. Yeah. I'm like, Jesus. And that's pretty much the promo, so. Yeah, so basically the message of that is Buff Bagwell has mental issues and is gay. Cool. I think also some of that is meant to be that that match is actually going to happen at the pay-per-view. And it's not just an abstract challenge. But we will see Scott Steiner later for some reason. That match isn't next. Yeah. That never makes any sense to me. Like, I don't mind them cutting to commercial and then coming back and doing the match. But when they do the promo and then they do a different match and then whoever just cut the promo does their match, that doesn't make any sense. Yeah, it's different when it's like a main event level match. Like, okay, clearly it's going to be later in the night versus just like, we had it last week with like the Goldberg thing too, where it's like, oh, let me do this interview. And then in 15 minutes, I'll come out and beat up Kenny Chaos. Right. Like what? We go from that to Tony and Bobby throwing to the segment from last week of Randy Savage and Ric Flair setting up the Charles Robinson versus Gorgeous George match. Mm -hmm. And then we get the Piper segment from earlier. There's a lot of clips during this episode. They just like killing time. And from there, you know, perfect segue into Kidman versus Raven. And I keep forgetting that Kidman was in the flock. Yeah, they do mention that. I showed you the photo that one day, and you're like, no, baby. I don't like it. He's not good. Match starts off, and I don't know if you did, but I immediately figured this match was going to have a screwy finish because they go into, like, the closing, you know, act three of a match immediately. Oh, yeah. We start start off with the head scissor, and... Like, right after that powerbomb attempt into the face buster, it was like, oh, okay, this is getting... This is going to be a weird match. Yeah, when you immediately whip out the face buster, yeah, something's going on. We get a front-falling suplex from Raven. Raven then tosses a chair in the ring, and Bobby notes, it's Raven's rules. I'm like... I wish I knew that before the match started. I think every Raven's match is Raven's rules. Why? That's stupid. I don't stupid. Know. We get his patented drop to hold onto the chair. Follows up with a leg drop on the chair across Kidman's face. Raven goes for a superplex... But Kidman pushes him off and goes for the shooting star press. But Raven manages to pull a chair on top of him. So Kidman hits the shooting star press onto the chair. Oof. It looked real sore. Because it looked like it might have been like around his knees too. Yeah. And it was like, uh. At least wearing the pants. Benoit Malenko then come down and beat everyone up. Yay. Ray makes the save and then Ray and Saturn seem to be fine. And like, I'm just helping my partner up. And then Saturn goes to move Kidman to help Raven up, and Ray takes that personally. And the two of them start brawling. And then, out of nowhere, the horsemen just come back. And- oh, by the way, this has been DQ'd. This ma- this this is a DQ no contest match. Oh, yeah, yeah, sorry. They rang the bell. Yeah. It's over. Because of the outside interference. Right. I feel like we need to note that, because sometimes that doesn't yeah. fucking matter. So, yeah, the horsemen are back, and everybody brawls, and they just fade to commercial. No, 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 sorry, they don't go to commercial. They cut to a clip from earlier tonight. Yeah, that was the fucking stupidest thing. What? Why? Why? They're in the ring doing things. Yeah. The match is still happening. And it's like, oh, we, have to, we, we have to tell you why Flair and Nash is happening later. 
fuck up. No one cares. Yeah, this is fun while it lasted, but it clearly wasn't designed to last. No, it would have been better if it was longer, though. I am glad they went out there and went, okay, let's try to excite a little bit versus, you know, headlock and then just yeah. like, oh, they we actually did some we hit moves. We hit a suplex and then people came in. Yeah. So I appreciate them trying to put in some effort beforehand. They tried. Next up, we get that U.S. title match. Scott Steiner versus Scott Norton. And we have come full circle in this podcast <sighs> because Scott Norton walks out and Emily goes, who the fuck are you? <laughs> Emily is back not knowing who Scott Norton is. I don't think I ever truly knew who Scott Norton was. I think I just lied. Who is Scott Norton? I don't know. You tell me, man. Yeah, this was the uh, worst match of my lineup. One star. To which I wrote, why didn't they just have the match when Steiner was out earlier? Great question. Steiner gets felt up by a girl in the audience and then shakes Bobby's hand and then threatens Tony. Yeah, what the fuck? Scott Steiner is just something else. I was curious something during this match and it seemed the case at the start and then kind of fell off. I was wondering if they put Scott Norton in with Steiner as punishment. Yeah, you pointed this out when we first started watching it. You're yeah, like, watch out for Steiner's punches. Management has been a little mad with Scott Norton. And the match starts, and Steiner seems to be working stiff. I know he sometimes works a little stiff anyway. And it looked like it. And then that just stopped after the first like 90 seconds. Like, oh, okay, well, maybe not. Yeah. The other thing was he was selling for Scott Norton, so it wasn't like he was trying to bury him. Mm-hmm. On yeah. commentary, Tony has to play dumb, and it's like, oh, this was supposed to be Conan's title shot. I wonder if Scott Norton had any hand in what happened to him. What? It's like the, what? the B team beat him up. You, we we saw this. We, you you know this. You were there. And weirdly enough, Scott Norton wasn't involved in that. No, that's the that's the weirder part of this. Like one, we saw what happened to him. Two, I Scott Norton wasn't there. Scott doesn't know. We get a bicep kiss, elbow drop, which gets kicked out at one, and I'm like, ooh. That's a way to piss off Scott yeah, Steiner. Yeah, actually. But uh, that prompts some steroid chants. Very strong steroids chants. Did you hear Bobby Heenan's quote? No. I've never heard a crowd so pumped up. Oh, shit. <laughs> Do you think he did that on purpose? <laughs> yes, I think so. <laughs> Big sidewalk slam from Norton. He signals for his shoulder breaker, but hits the ref in the face mid-gesture. It was the oh, silliest yeah. ref I've, I've ever and seen. And then the ref goes down like a delicate little flower. Yeah. So Steiner sees this and uses his head to low blow Norton, probably the same way DDP did to him the week before. Hmm. He then hits a belly to belly and kind of uses the ropes to pin Scott Norton. Kind of? Scott Steiner needs to stop doing this spot. I can think of, including this one, three occasions where he's tried for this and he's fucked it up every time. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> Scott. Buddy. I, I, lo- I love your shonies, but... Is even having anymore. We were like semi planning on going to his shonies, and then we realized it got shut down from COVID. Well, speaking speaking of running jokes, while editing the abridged Halloween Havoc episode, I realized we have entirely stopped doing Yeti jokes. I thought about that the other day, actually. So yeah, Steiner wins. This was eh. it was such a lame match. Yeah, and I was sacked. I feel like I've been enjoying Scott Steiner stuff recently, and this was a step really. down. But he's the best at the sex. I'm not having the sex with him, though, so how do I know? It's not just hearsay. Well, next up, we get our semi-main event. We get Big Sexy, Kevin Nash. Is that hearsay? Big Sexy? Yeah. I mean, it's false. That I can see. It's just false. (laughs) Versus Ric Flair. Nash gets a face reaction here and grabs the mic. 
Would you guess it? Wolfpack is in the house. Gainesville! He does say that he's going to break DDP's back when the time is right to avenge Hulk Hogan. Sexy. <laughs> is that sexy? Well, it's not supposed to be like a sex thing. Like, I'm going to break her back. I don't know. Well, I, I've also heard that with like blow her back out. Cause I okay, think, maybe that's what I'm thinking. Yeah, because I said, oh, I, I like blew my back out doing something. Everyone's like, mm. what? And I'm like, no, I'm in pain. <laughs> he also said that if Goldberg wins the title tonight, they're one and one against each other. And I forget his line afterwards, but it was kind of cringy. Yeah, I don't remember it either. I kind of tuned him out. He also closes the promo by telling Gainesville they have good taste. I'm like, what? <laughs> so, from there, we get another Piper Flair recap. And I'm like, holy How shit, we get it. How many of these do we need? But Ric Flair comes out, and he is rocking a different robe than some previous weeks. This one's a nice kind of deep royal blue, silver and white. So it's time for us to attempt another game of... Who's that Pokemon? Okay, so the Pokemon that I chose, I think you're going to disagree with. All but right. I think this Pokemon, in its image, has the same vibe as Flare. And I'm also using his hair in this color scheme. Okay. So my answer is Frogadier. Frogadier? Yes. Okay. It's got the two-tone blue. It does have the royal blue, but it also has like a lighter blue, which I know is not in the robe, but it has the white. What's well, funny, based on the hair, I think you almost go Froakie. But I, just, I like the face that Frogadier was making. It gave me Ric Flair vibes. If you look at the like standard photo for Frogadier, it, it's just kind of like smirky and smarmy, you know? He's just like, I'm better than you. And then his like kind of fluffy looking collar, that could be his coiffy hair, you know? Fair. I'm going Frogadier. I have two, and I don't really love either of mine. I went Articuno. There's not as much silver. It's a little more subtle there with that. Oh, okay. I did consider Articuno, yes. Uh, I feel like Azumarill also fits kind of well. The issue is there's some red there, but Flare bleeds enough that I feel like we can just <laughs> we can throw a little red in on any Ric Flair one and it counts. Oh my, okay. I just don't think that they're blue. The Merrills are not deep blue enough. That was my issue. Well, funny, I, I feel like their, their blue is closer than Articuno's is, weirdly enough. Really? Okay. I, I mean, it is closer, for sure. But if I pick one, I go Articuno. Okay. Also, with the vibe. Articuno but, definitely has a, like, pompous vibe. But I'm going to do Articuno after he's hit with Supersonic, so that, <laughs> so that Articuno is confused. <laughs> Articuno's confused. Articuno says he's president of the United States. <laughs> Good. Good one. Good one, Nick. All right. So, Frogadier and Articuno... Let us know who you agree with. Referee for this match is Charles Robinson. As, so it's going to be fucky. As seemingly all Ric Flair matches mm-hmm. are at this point. Nash and Flair go face to face to chat, and then Nash pushes Flair across the ring. Flair tries to shoulder tackle Nash a few times, but like using Thunderbolt on an Onyx, it has no effect. Oh my god. Are we doing this again? <laughs> yep. This is a new segment. We get a big back body drop to Flair, and Flair drops to the floor. Flair regroups with Arn, and they call for a timeout. There's not going to be a ton of move variety in this match. No. I love Ric Flair, but the man is not known for a wide arsenal. So something like occurred to me while I was watching this match. I remember you telling me a while ago that Ric Flair used to train to be a wrestler by punching a um, a string and like trying to punch the string, but like flexing his muscle, try to punch the string as hard as he could without moving the string. While he was hitting Kevin Nash with like his first like off the rope moves at the beginning of it and Nash is just taking it and Flair just flops to the ground. That it gave me those kinds of vibes. Hmm. 
we get two framed up back elbows in the corner, but Flair gets the advantage when Arn grabs Nash's leg and the two pull him crotch first into the ring post. Rep doesn't notice, I guess. He just looks away for that. Oh, it's something. I think he literally pretends to have something in his eye. <laughs> it's a screwy ref. I'll accept I him more here. Flair asks the ref to check the time and then hits a punting low blow. Yeah, what? It was just something to like, all right, go look over there for a minute. Pa. We never check the time in anything. Why are we checking the time now? Flair works over Nash's legs. Nash starts his comeback and hits a sidewalk slam. Flair does his turnbuckle spot in the corner and ducks a clothesline, which prompts a woo. And then Nash just clotheslines him from the other side. Yeah. I thought I I did like the spot of like this. He always gets clothesline there. He ducks it. He's like, yeah. And then he just <laughs> gets it again. Flair begs off in the ring and goes up top for a Phoenix splash, but gets tossed off. I, that's another segment I'm starting that you're just letting me get oh, away sorry, with. I wasn't listening. What'd you say? No, it's fine. I, di- I didn't hear you. No, it's fine. Say it. Arn I'm going to have to hear it on the recording. Arn gets knocked off the apron and Nash gets him out. Nash hits a jackknife. The referee Charles Robinson just blatantly decides to not count and goes to leave. Yeah, he walks off. <laughs> it was so blatant it made me laugh. It was just weird. So when he goes to leave, gorgeous George runs down and attacks him. She then steals his ref shirt, puts it on, and goes in the ring. And with Nash putting a foot on Ric Flair, counts the pin. One, I was like, oh, wow, he didn't need any other move to pin Ric Flair. Two, we may have seen history. This may be the biggest pop ever, especially in like the 90s and early 2000s. Of a woman putting on clothes. Oh my god. I thought you were going to say something about women's history. No, I've never heard a crowd pop for a woman putting on clothes before. So she like, they usually get booed for that. Let's be honest. Like, oh. This was an amazing moment. I was so into this moment. Like, I was not into this match. I don't really like Kevin Nash matches as it is. But when Gorgeous George came out and took his shirt, I was so into it. Fuck yeah, George. Proud of you. Is George like on the way to to being in your boy stable? Listen, um, you're not going to be surprised by my MVP for this oh, okay. uh, episode. <laughs> it's all she did. Yeah, and she did great. <laughs> so then Arn calls for like doctors to come help out Flair. And I saw this swerve happening, I think, immediately. I think I don't know how long it took you. Oh, but, it took me until they were like putting him in the van. But, um, it took until all Arn of a sudden, it out. Yeah, all of a sudden, three guys in white coats come down. And they get Flair on a stretcher as Arn yells at them to be careful because they're, like, not supporting his neck at all or anything no. like that. They get him on a stretcher and they're wheeling him through backstage. All of a sudden, Roddy Piper is there fucking taunting Ric Flair. Yeah, that like, was what, weird. What a face, taunting a man on a stretcher. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, weird. They take Flair to a van. And somehow still at this point, I haven't gotten it. Yeah, neither did Arn Anderson. I think Arn took a little too long. Arn goes, I get it when Arn, Arn gets it. Arn's like, where's the oxygen? It's like, Yeah. Because, again, it's a van. It's not an ambulance. Right. And they just, like, put him in the back of a van. And at some point, it kind of clicks in Arn's head of, like, wait a minute. You're not taking him to a hospital. You're going to, or, you know, a regular hospital. You're going to take him to a mental hospital. Yeah. And, and I was like, oh, I get it now. It all makes and sense. I, I loved it, Arnie yelling at the one doctor. And 
the way when I just like fires back, it's like, it's like I'm a doctor. Trust me. <laughs> Which you won't get this reference, but the guy looks and sounds like fucking Cameron Mitchell. Like I know that's a niche reference. It's not a wrestling reference. It's like an, it's like an old B movie reference. No, it's funny because I'm pretty sure that Cameron Mitchell is a character in Modern Family. <laughs> oh, but yeah, real Cameron Mitchell vibes on this fucking guy, and. They put him in the van and Roddy taunts him before they go and Flair kind of figures it out. And in the words of commentary, he's off to the funny farm. I missed that line. Yep. Really? Yep. The funny farm? I hate that. Thoughts thoughts on the match, then thoughts on the segment. So the match, I gave two and a half stars. It was it was a very standard Nash Flair match. I was kind of bored. Yeah. You, Loved you got what you Gorgeous expected. George. Loved George coming out and having her moment. Loved that. The finale of it, putting him in the van, didn't love that. That wasn't great. So overall, yeah, two and a half stars. Yeah, the. But you're right. Yeah, yeah get what you. The, ma- the match was fine. The segment afterwards was just pure chaos energy. Mm-hmm. They don't talk about that really at all on Thunder. So really? we'll see. We'll see what happens next Nitro. Oof. All right. After that, we get Dusty Rhodes coming down and joining commentary as they replay oh, the end God. of the last segment. Dusty Rhodes on commentary was an absolute waste with this audience. Oh, I, I barely noticed him. That's the problem. The audience was too loud. You couldn't even tell that there was another person on commentary. They he, were too fucking loud. Here she does do a decent job setting up the main event, like m- making it feel like a big deal. And then Tony like kind of mocks him for it. And I'm like, oh. so our main event is going to be DDP versus Goldberg. I have a question for you here. Okay. Because I am... Going through and kind of listening to some stuff, talking about this similar time in WWF. And does it feel like Goldberg is spinning his wheels to you? I don't know you say that. Maybe? Maybe a little. Because since he's lost the title, he's feuded with yeah. Scott Hall, Bam Bam Bigelow, and then a real like two-week build, maybe even one-week build he pay-per-view match with Kevin Nash. He definitely has lost his spark. Or I've, I've lost my excitement that. for it. Okay, that's different. Because I'm like, he still is over as fuck. He is over, but it's just not as big of a, a deal to ha- see him Hashtag anymore. Goldberg is over party. Oh, shut the fuck up. <laughs> no, he's just... I've just, like, lost my interest in a lot of his matches because they don't seem as big anymore. It does seem like he's got three moves, and you see those three moves, and then the match is over. Yeah, maybe he is kind of spinning his wheels a little. Yeah, it just, just like... Because, like, Steve Austin was always kind of around the title scene, and I feel like that's the kind of the apples to apples for sure. for that. When he wasn't around the title scene, it did feel like he was doing something, at least still around this point. I think literally in a couple of months, you could make a case for it a little bit. But, yeah, Goldberg has just been doing a whole lot of nothing, it feels like. Yeah. It also seemed interesting to kind of know, considering we are back to the match that we started this podcast with, like, in terms of the main event. Because main event of Halloween Havoc is Goldberg versus DDP. Is it really? Yeah. Oh, shit. Yeah. The, it's the one that got cut due to time. Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah, I thought it was kind of interesting to peek back because he definitely feels like there's less going on there. Mm-hmm. I mean, he, God, even like the entirety of this because he didn't wrestle on that second pay-per-view. No, he didn't. It's amazing he still is over as he is given the yeah. stories he's been given. I haven't thought about it like that. I mean, we had, we, had the same, we had the same thing with Jericho when he left. We're like, what the fuck was Jericho doing the last, like, six months? True. But we do not get Michael Buffer for this. And I also felt it was weird giving this away on free TV with no build. 
Yeah, okay, I did notice that no Michael Buffer. Was there any reason why Michael Buffer wasn't there? They fluctuated on being there. Also, no Sting tonight. Yeah, I did notice Sting won't that. show up during this at we all. We didn't get Michael Buffer. We didn't get the Nitro Girls. We didn't get Sting. Like, what's happening? I don't know. You get a mutual respect spot at the start of this match, which to me gave away that DDP was going to go full heel at the end of this. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh. When one guy has been, been getting consistently booed and you do a respect spot, it's just like... Okay, I yeah. feel like it's meant to... I should be catching this shit, but like, yeah. you know I'm not. DDP goes for a diamond cutter early, but Goldberg brushes it off. Goldberg then hits a sudden spear, and DDP throws Goldberg headfirst into the bottom turnbuckle. DDP hits a belly-to-belly, but Goldberg kicks out at one. Goldberg fights out of a rest hold and hits an underhook suplex out of it. Which is a nice little kind of counter to get out of that. Yeah. DDP tries the diamond cutter again, but Goldberg counters and hits a power slam. Goldberg tries for a side slam, but DDP counters it into a head scissors, which I'm like, oh, a little more high-flying yeah. style for you. DDP then goes up top and hits a diving clothesline, but Goldberg hits a sidekick shortly thereafter and signals for the spear. Weird spot of DDP just staying in the corner after Goldberg signaled for the spear. Mm. Looked like he had to like prompt him for like, no, we're doing the corner thing where you crash into the turnbuckle. <laughs> Okay, yeah, I thought I saw something, like... Yeah, it was... Uh, I couldn't just, tell if it was, like, a taunt. Or no, like, it was know. something awkward timing where, like, Goldberg kind of forgot the spot that they oh. were doing. Because, yeah, after a while, Goldberg crashes into the post, and DDP pulls him out of the corner, hits a diamond cutter. Goldberg just kicks out. Yeah. It's like, oh, shit. They both hit their, like, big moves multiple times in this. There's multiple diamond cutters, multiple spears. There's only one diamond cutter. Really? I thought there were at least two. He, he tries for it a couple times, but only actually oh, hits one. Oh, okay. And commentary says that this has never happened in terms of someone kicking out of the diamond cutter, which just isn't true. It actually happened in their last match. DDP suddenly grabs a weapon from his trunks, which looks like kind of like a brass knuckles type thing. Yeah, I figured it was like a brass knuckles. And sees Goldberg setting up for the spear, so he pulls the referee in the way, which was a spot we've referenced of like, how the fuck would this work? Because Goldberg spears both the referee and DDP. It's Mm -hmm. not like he only hits one of them. It, it it stacks. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Because we talked about when partners are trying to hit somebody with a certain move, and it's like, well, what the fuck do you think's going to happen? Because, you know, inertia. Right. But both DDP and the ref are down, and DDP goes to the apron. Goldberg counters a weapon shot and hits a jackhammer from the apron, which was pretty impressive. Because you got to kind of, like, pick him mm-hmm. up and then travel. Yeah, no, that was, that was actually pretty cool. I did like that. So he hits the jackhammer, but the ref is down, so it's no pin. Yeah. And then DDP hits Goldberg behind the ear, they say, with the brass knuckles kind of mm-hmm. weapon. He then hits him several times on the floor, which didn't look as impactful. No. Like, you can't do punches with the brass knuckles. The like, behind it, the ear looked good. Yeah. But, like, once you're just using it to just do punches, like, okay, it feels less impactful. Yeah. Here. Yeah, I'm kind of with you there. So they're on the floor, and then DDP goes to grab the stairs. He sets up Goldberg's leg on the bottom step, grabs a chair, and then just hits the stairs, because that's how angles work i guess it's meant to be more devastating but it's like it's incredibly safe because of the steps it's like well okay you're just kind of hitting the stairs here (laughs) he goes to swing it i think it's like the fourth or fifth time and suddenly gets like caught up top Mm -hmm. but there's no one there the ref was supposed to catch this because the (gasps) next swing he does is the same motion and the ref stops it but he clearly thought the ref was going to be oh, there. Oh, I missed that. Oh, yeah. It was real awkward. He that goes up and like, almost, like like loses his balance. Like, oh. Oh, no. And the ref quickly moves over to the oh, spot. No. Next one. So he pulls the ref to the floor and then goes to set Goldberg up for the ring post figure four. 
Yes, and commentary, a devastating yeah, commentary is like this is too far. <sighs> so of all the people, Kevin Nash runs out. I know that's like the last person I was expecting to come out. So he helps Goldberg out of the precarious position, and the two have a real band of brothers moment of like, Brother. Kevin, well, Kevin Nash like cradles Goldberg's head. It's like well, this is weird. It was very weird. I didn't know they were buds like that. But, you know, I mean they they're not buds like that. I think it was more. Kevin Nash being like, how dare you do this to somebody else after you took out my friend? So somehow Nash gets distracted and DDP hits Kevin Nash with the world title. And DDP kind of goes up the ramp celebrating as the two stare him down from the ring. And we go off the air. And that's kind of it, I guess. Yeah. It was weird. It It was a very weird ending to a very weird match. Yeah. It was, I mean, it obviously wasn't as good as their Halloween Havoc match. Oh, no. Especially because at the Halloween Havoc match, I think both of these guys had bigger. I don't. I don't want to say that they were more over because they're also really over here, but they had like I more, think they were more gusto. Over them. You think? Yeah. Okay. It was just more impactful in Halloween Havoc. But this did accomplish its goal in that DDP is a heel. Like it yes. is known. Like it is obvious now. Yes. So yeah, not too much on the match, but thoughts on the overall show? Meh. Yeah, it was. It was. F- fine it was fine we've watched worse nitros yes that's the thing if we're comparing it to other nitros it's pretty middle tier yeah it's not too much fancy to say i mean mm. we're, we're in the middle paper build it was weird sting wasn't here it was how many weeks do we have until the slamboree i think we have two more nitros okay so we really are in the middle of this build yeah oh shit okay Let's go to best bit and MVP. Okay. Emily, what do you got for best bit? I'm going to give my best bit to that first match with, with the Armstrong brothers and um, Chris Benoit, Dean Malenko, like that match. I really liked it. I thought it was really fun, a really good way to open the show. Do you have a best bit? My best bit is relative. <laughs> okay. I'm giving my best bit to all of the Ric Flair and Roddy Piper segments. Really? They're so insane that they're funny to me. Okay. I mean, I could see giving it to just the, like, I'm the President of the United States. No, no, no. It's so off the wall that it enters, like, best of the worst territory. Okay. That I'm like, you know what? Fuck it. There's there's not too much notable on this episode. I'm like, you know what? If you're going to watch one thing... Go fucking watch that shit, because what the fuck's happening? I mean, kind of disagree, but, you know, to each their own, sure. All right, who's your MVP? I'm I'm struggling on this. So I had two. One was just for impressive work, and the other one was Gorge George. (laughs) All right, who you got for impressive work? I was really impressed by Blitzkrieg. So I kind of gave, I gave the most improved, I guess, to him. And then Gorgeous George was like, out of nowhere, I was really excited to see her do something that's not just like, show us your titties, you know? I was happy. You know what? I'm going to give, I am going to give my MVP to someone we barely mentioned, but the more I think about it, he is just excellent set dressing for the show in general. Is he good to Mean Gene? I'll move to Arn Anderson. Okay. I, I, I don't have a great answer. I mean, maybe Psychosis, but... Arn, in his limited in the limited stuff he has, I'm really enjoying Arn. Actually, I'll give it to Arn for having to have to play dumb for that long during during that segment. Okay, fair. I'll take that. Yeah, but I'm actually Arn Anderson is doing great in what he's being forced to do and being the sidekick who probably knows better than the you know the main guy. Yeah, it's like that's a unique kind of role. So okay, whatever works, I guess. I'll give it to Arn. So that's going to do it for the April 19th, 1999 Nitro episode. 
Uh, next up, we have the next week, the 26th. <laughs> Just keep on coming. Emily, are, do you think they're going to notice that we recorded this a week later? Right I wasn't going to say anything. Episode? Why are you giving away the industry secret? We, we got tired. And it was no, like, we'll we had do like this later. three minutes before running to your softball game. Yeah, that's what it was. We didn't have time. I wasn't going to give away the industry secrets. We can we can tell you that the next episode is going to be quite eventful. <laughs> it actually is. But uh, until then, you can follow us on Twitter at Butts in the Pod and find us on Facebook under Butts in the Seats Podcast and Instagram also at Butts in the Pod is the same as the Twitter. Yep. We're also still on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Google Podcasts. If you haven't listened to the original version yet, we just put up our first episode abridged because we realized that <laughs> two hours and 45 minutes is a really long first episode so we trimmed it to about an hour 49 which is much more palatable well until next time which for us is going to be about 30 seconds <laughs> but for you might be a week or two thanks for listening to the butts in the seats podcast bye